We'll rock it. All right, our next guest is an absolutely legendary musician, and I refer to him as a musician because that's exactly what he is. Vanilla Fudge released fudged-up version of the Supremes classic Stop in the Name of Love. You can get that now. And a tribute to their bandmate, The Legacy of Tim Boger, which we're going to talk all about. Welcome to the show, Mr. Carmine. There he is. Hey, how you at him. doing, man? Look you at know, him. I like your backdrop there. Nice. Thank yeah. you. Both you guys. The, I, mean, uh... look at me. I got to put my green screen up here. What yeah, but yours is better. You got a drum kit. You got gold records. I mean, what more do you want? Come yeah, on. Well, that's all natural. That's not a picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Why would you want to go fake? It's like. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, now are, are, are those uh, the, the Rod Stewart ones, the Aussie ones? Or like, what's, what's going on back there? I don't there? have Aussie ones. I should get an Aussie one because I, was, I did work on Bark at the Moon. But yeah. I'm sure Sharon will never give me permission for that. But. I was talking to somebody today, and I realized I had a, a gold and platinum blue murder in Japan. Nice. And I'm trying oh, to wow. figure out how to get that. So that's interesting. But I got all, you know, I got a double platinum rod. I got rod here, another rod there. I got Pink Floyd. I got up there is uh, you know, up here is uh, that's uh, what's his name, Paul Stanley. Nice. Rod the over solo there. record. Is uh, uh, Tommy Boland over there? Wow. There's my up there. There's hmm. uh, who else I got up there? A lot of Rod. I got Pink Floyd down there. And I got, even got the Bullet Boys because uh, really? the Bullet Boys were in King Cobra and they stole some of our songs when they went to Bull, the, be, wait, the Bullet wait, Boys. Wait, hold on. First of all, what? I, I listened to Blue Murder this morning as I was walking the dog, but I also listened to a Bullet Boys song yesterday walking the dog. So What song? Yeah, well, I listened to an acoustic version of Smooth Up In You and Smooth on... Smooth Up uh, In You was a song that was a King Cobra song when those guys were in King Cobra. Really? And they yeah. grabbed it and, and they... So and they grabbed it and they did it. And For the Love of Money was my idea to do. That became the second single. And we were doing it with King Cobra and a few other songs that ended up on their album. And they know I was really pissed off at them because in the press I was killing them. You know, and uh, I, I had a a release party for King Cobra 3, I think, at my house in Northridge. And and Mick showed up with a gold record. Wow. Now, now wow. I know was you twisted uh... us for this stuff, but I hope this will make up for it. I said, well, it didn't make up for the royalties, but I'll take the gold record. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so there was no right. lawsuit or anything. They no, sort of, no, they made it just, good. It was a handshake. They, they, they tried to make good. And then okay. we, I ended up still being friends with them, you know. Okay. I mean, I even named the bass player Lonnie Vincent. Because his okay. name was Lonnie Miller. And really? My manager was Alan Miller. I said, Look, dude, you can't have the same name as the manager. So, yeah. What's your middle name? He goes, Vincent. I go, well, how about Lonnie Vincent? He goes, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, he's Lonnie go. Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just like in Kiss, you couldn't have two Pauls, or, or when Eric Carr was there, three Pauls, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's, wow. uh, let's, let's talk about this, uh, this vanilla fudge. You're going to do a, a bunch of shows. Yep. And is this... Is this, are we deeming this like the farewell tour or is just, we're going to have, no, we're going to no, go do these shows and have is, fun. Uh, that's a good idea though. We'll probably uh, get more gigs, <laughs> but this was just uh, gigs, you know, that we're going to do. Uh, but unfortunately this, uh, this single was really started in, uh, as an album project in 2019. And then the COVID upset everything and we couldn't do any more recording. And then I, and Tim got ill and really sick, and you know we know he didn't know how long he was going to last. So uh, I came up with my idea to get Tim on it, you know. And now that we got Tim on it and we're doing it, we're sort of looking at it like Vanilla Fudge hanging on, open the book, 
mm. for us and Supremes, this one, to stop in the name of love, close the book. It's the original band. I mean, who do you know from a band that's 1967 that has a new recording that has all original members? Uh, nobody. From, no nobody. <laughs> no nobody. One. So we we've done another first. Yeah. We've done a lot yeah. of firsts in our career, and this is the last time did, that did we've you, done another first. Did you manage to stay friends through that entire time, or were there periods where you just didn't talk to each other and, and then said, No, yeah, there were oh, periods. Yeah. Uh, there was a lawsuit that at one point with Mark Stein brought against us because we were, me and Tim were doing Vanilla Fudge without him. And uh, But he originally when that started happening, they did it without me as well and but i found out about it and they were going to do it at a gig in japan in the 90s and i was in the 90s in japan a lot now guitars was going there i had a group called pearl i did a charbo with a piece later on uh i went there with uh, uh jeff watson and bob daisley in the beginning of the 90s i spent the whole 90s there because the grunge was taking over here right and we were like dinosaurs nobody wanted to work with us you know record companies or gigs or anything uh, so um it's funny how the world changed because you could literally yeah. fly off to japan and go be your own like you know vanilla oh, fudge or cactus or, and nobody would hear about it now with the internet you can't do that anymore yeah yeah but, then. but you know so i was in japan doing some other gigs with pearl and i heard that vanilla fudge is coming over there with Vinny, tim and two other guys so i contacted tim and i said what are you doing if vanilla fudge got a big name here you come in here playing a little crappy club you know so Man. the manager I had got involved and he moved it to a bigger venue, got me involved in it. We got more money just for me, you know. And then from that, we went back to New York in early 2000s, like, and we started playing gigs. But Mark Stein didn't want to play with it for some reason. It was me, Vinny, and Timmy. You know, if it had him, it would have been the original band. So we started doing that and we did great, great business. You know, in Westbury, we did 3,000 people. And, we were playing Atlantic City. We were getting great response. And then Mark put an injunction on it, on us, which started a lawsuit. And then we ended up settling it where he got a percentage of what we did. But uh, we had to ask him every year if he wanted to play. And he never wanted to play. And then uh, Randy Pratt, who was uh, our benefactor, paid for the attorney and everything. And then in 2005, maybe? I forgot what year it was. But uh, Tom Vitorino, the manager we have now, said, hey, look, you know, I, I called him because he was managing the Doors. I said, Phil Chen was playing with the Doors. I said, I'd like to play with the Doors, maybe, you know. And he said, why do you want to play with the Doors? You got Vanilla Fudge. Why don't you just get Vanilla Fudge back together, you know? So we, he had a meeting with everybody and worked it all out. And we went on tour with the Doors of the 21st century. And we were playing sheds all through the summer. And then their drummer put an injunction on the doors using the name, the doors of the 21st century. So that was the end of that. But we had played a bunch of gigs and we played with Pat Travers. I saw the doors of the 21st century at the, either the Bell Center or the Molson Center, whatever it was called. Now, was that the one with Ian Asbury or was that the one with Michael? Yeah, it was really good. And we played with them and it was a great show. We were right under the doors. You know, sometimes we went out and I played uh, a song with them, you know. Wow. So I must have seen, I mean, I saw that show, so I must have seen you on that bill. Well, it, might cool. be. it was the summer of, I don't know, 2000, 
I don't even remember, 12, 13, 14, somewhere like that. Who do you uh, think made more money out of all of that? You guys are the lawyers. <laughs> the lawyers. <laughs> lawyers made all the money. Yeah, because it seems like a big waste of time in reality. It was a waste of time. But but anyway, we became friends. So we've been friends since then. And then we realized, you know, everybody's going to go off on tangents. And I mean, everybody did it. You know, Timmy did it in the, in the 70s. Tim Boger did it and blew the whole, everything we had going. And then uh, I never really did it. Uh, Vinny Martell did it in 84. We had a new deal. And he wouldn't listen to Spencer Proffer. You know, who was wow. producing it. So we brought in a session guy. So when the album came out, he put an injunction on the album so it wouldn't come out. You know, so that was Vinny. Oh and then Mark Lord. did it in the 2000s, you know. And me and Timmy broke the band up because we were going to go with Jeff Beck in the first place. So so it's been well, going see, like, like, like wow. that, you know, the whole career. Uh, roller to, coaster. To, to be fair, you didn't have to uh, go out and do that because you were too busy with Rod Stewart and with Ozzy Osbourne yeah, and yeah. with Ted Nugent. And so, so... You didn't have to go do this. You were you were busy. No, no. and then I and then 2005 we did Cactus. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. And I remember when I was talking to Eddie Van Halen about doing the Fudge in 2001, and Eddie says, "F F the Fudge, bring Cactus back, because they love Cactus, you know." And, wow, I didn't and we know did that. in 2005. Oh yeah, they were a big fan. Hot for Teacher was a if you put Hot for Teacher on and put our song uh, Parchment Farm. You'll hear the same kind of groove, and if wow. you if you put uh, if you put our song called "Let Me Swim," the beginning of that, and you put "Eruption," it's the same. Wow, I'm gonna have to go listen to that. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to do an A B video. For yeah, our, yeah, do for an A B video too. That's what we did that this morning, uh, yesterday morning with the fudge. This song, and hanging on, and the, mm. and the guy said after hearing, he said, "A and B." They said. I can't believe it here. It's 55 years later, and this guy's still singing like that. Wow. Emotional and powerful and soulful. I said, yeah, he never lost his voice. Hmm. 74 years old, and he's killer. Well, let me ask you, since, since you mentioned Eddie, uh, he was influenced quite a bit by Michael Schenker, and, and you had a chance to be on the Temple of Rock album with Michael Schenker. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of guitar playing, you know, you've worked with some of the best. How do you sort of... I don't want to say rate, but how did you sort of get a feeling for what Michael was doing? Because I, I just think he's brilliant. What, what was that experience like? Well, I mean, Michael's really good. The only thing Michael, I didn't like about Michael, he never, he never moved. Right. Mm. He just stood there like this. Shoegaze. You know, he played great, had a great feel. And, and you know, it was a very different feel from playing with like Ted Nugent or Jim McCarty or Jeff Beck or, you know, any of the guys I played with. You know, I, I, I jammed with Bonamassa, you know, we, we were going to put a Bonamassa Bogo to piece together wow. you know, before mm -hmm. he made it big, you know, wow. and jo uh, Joe's great. <laughs> Joe's great. But, but, but Michael plays like a German, very <laughs> regimented, like, like a tank, right? Mm -hmm. It's like driving a Volkswagen. It's like, it's like a tank. I, I went over to Germany to play on an accept song. And as I played it, I played it. And, yeah, I, I, I don't play like that. I play like I play like an R&B guy. But what's he missing? Is like, he missing the feel? Is it like is it just, too it's like too, it's just regimented, robotic, boom, 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 very robotic. Same thing over and over and very robotic. I don't mm. play like that. So I was there three days. They paid me, but they said I'm sorry, it's not working out. I said I know, I could feel it. I said it's not right because they want like chicka 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 chicka. Right. Know? 
Mm-hmm. And I don't play chicka 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 all the time, you know. You just right. mentioned uh, Ted. Does Ted play with a looser feel? I mean, when you're doing a show and he gets into a jam, do you know where it's going? So does he sort of just go off on his own? Yeah, all the bands like that. Blue Murder, Ted, Cactus, all my bands. Vanilla Fudge, Jeff mm-hmm. Beck. You know, we all played with a, with an improvising feel, and you just feel where it's peaking, and usually. I, as the drummer, do the big drum feel to take us back to where we're going. Yeah. Somebody gives you the, uh, the, the yeah, I mean, you look, and... you can see how they're playing. You can see their expressions. Well, it's funny. Know? I was watching a, a video of Prince playing, um, in Englewood or something like that a couple of years ago before he died. And like, just like you could tell the whole band, like they're, they're just so good, but it's almost like as if they didn't rehearse this at all. And like Prince just, like, he just directed the band said, you know, just the beat, play that groove. Okay, just the baseline, and like he's just calling out. He's ca- calling out, well, and well, like that's they're... because Prince played everything on the albums. Yeah, and you know I have. I don't know if you read my book, but yeah. I have a chapter about Prince when I lived in a house. In uh, I was getting divorced, and my friend Jamie, who worked for the management at Prince, Cavallo uh, Ruffalo and Farnelli managed him, and she said. You know, I needed a place to live for, you know, just to hang my hat, put stuff in. I had a girlfriend that I was staying with anyway. And so she needed some money for uh, her mortgage. So I lent her some money. And I said, no, I just need a bedroom, blah, blah, blah. She said, well, I, we manage this guy named Prince. He's new punk funk. And sometimes when he comes to record in L.A., he stays at my house. I said, oh, that's cool. I said, I'm not going to be there half the time. And so, so I ran into Prince in the house. Okay. Wow. When he was before he was big, and uh, I come out and go, "Hey, Prince, hey, is that a new track?" I, I come in from my girlfriend's house. He'd be in the living room with a den playing a track, and, and he said, "Yes, you know, that's it." <laughs> Just yes. Wow, that's good, I man. Who's playing drums? Me. And you playing guitar too? And you and you say and the bass. So wow. wow, and you sing. It sounds great, you know. And then I do my business. I come back another time, and you know. And one time I walked in my room at night. I, I, he was in bed with vanity, you know. So I mean, it was it was pretty wild time. And then he, he played with the Rolling Stones at the at the uh, at the Coliseum, and they booed him off the stage. And he yeah. came back to the house. He was so depressed. So me and the girl Jamie, we sat down, had some coffee, and um, I said, "Dude, don't even worry about that, man." I said, "Vanilla Fudge got it." Well, we went and played with the Mamas and the Papas. They booed us too. But we told him, we're going to play whether you like it or not. We came 3,000 miles to do this show. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But we hope you like it. <laughs> we're still getting paid. And then we and then we played. <laughs> and by the end of the show, they liked it. I said, so it didn't hinder our career that we got booed. We hmm. went and you know, had gold records. And so don't worry about it. You, you know, know, the boos the have to be motivating when you're an opening band. You got to say, okay, boo us, fine. But I mean, we're going to prove you. got booed off with, when, with huh. Vanilla Fudge on the first show. Didn't hurt them. I told them that, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, let me just quickly ask you about the... Uh, uh, now, are you Apathy or a piece? The, the Apathy Perdomo. Your brother gets it wrong all the time. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this uh, this new project with Fernando Perdomo... Um, yes. For, awesome. for folks that are hearing about it, this is going to be maybe the first time. Uh, what is? It's all instrumental, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. so, so where did you find Fernando? Who is Fernando? Fernando is in that Netflix uh, documentary called Echo in the Canyons. 
Yep. Mm. He's in that. He's playing on stage with them. He played on the record. He played with Clapton and all those people. Right. And he's just a phenomenally talented guy. And before Tom Dowd passed away, Tom Dowd was planning to work with him. And he knew him ever since he was uh, younger. And he was in high school in Miami. when Tom, Tom, He lived in Miami, Fernando. And Tom went to the, his school to talk about production and everything. And, Fernando was like right on him, man, you know, and, and he just got to know Tom. So I had moved to Florida. I was setting up a studio here and uh, I got a call from Tom Dowd's wife, uh, wife and daughter and say hello. So I haven't seen him in ages and they live here too. And they said, look, there's this guy named Fernando Perdomo. Tom was working with. He wants you to play on a couple of tracks that he's doing because he had he soloed deals with the Cherry Red over in England. You know, and they, they, they would sell a thousand records, you know, something. So I said, okay, if Tom loved him, he must be really good. So I said, have him call me. So he called me and he told me all about it. And I, I said, well, it's funny enough, I just set up my studio and I need, I need to start recording in it and I need to know how to work my studio. So he goes, well, do you have anything you want me to play on? I can, I, or I could send you a stem. I said, well, I have some stuff on my iPad, some mm -hmm. instrumental stuff. I'll send you a couple of tracks and you, you send me the stems back and let's see how you do. So he sent me the stems back for the first track and he, he was phenomenal. I said, I said, what are you playing on? He said, I'm playing everything. I said, wow. You know, and the bass was great. The keyboard was great. And the guitar playing was great. So I put the drums on. And then I sent it back to him. I asked him to do a couple of things. He did and sent it back to me. We went back and forth and came out great. Then he had a guy to mix it. He mixed it and it sounded phenomenal. Hmm. I said, let's do another one. We did another one. It was, he's, you know, Latin. He's, he's from Cuba. So he sent me one called Little Havana, you know, and mm -hmm. I played it. And it was kind of like a rock jazz Latin kind of vibe, but heavy. And I said, at the end of it, I said, need something else. So I did this thing like parchment farm, like hot for teacher at the end. I sent it back to him just to throw him. I said, I did a bunch of accents and a bunch of different things. Play along with that. See what you come up with. And it could be like a cool addition to the song. So he did. And it was great. It was mm -hmm. really great. So now we called it little Havana and my part was called big Havana, you know, <laughs> and nice. And then we just started recording and now we got 18 songs recorded and we did a, a, a rock jazz version, a reggae version of Do You Think I'm Sexy instrumental. And nice. then we did Maybe I'm Amazed instrumental with big uh, gospel harmonies behind it, you know? So really we, we, we did two covers and the rest, uh, uh, the other 10 songs are original. So when is this uh, when is this stuff going to come out? Well, this comes out on I actually have that in front of me. Uh, September twenty fourth, it'll be released uh, from Cleopatra Records. So and we did go. we did the first single, which yes. is out now. It's called uh, "Rocket to the Sun." You can see that on YouTube, yep. mm -hmm. and it's by uh, Peace Perdomo Project. So I call it App, App. Right, and it's uh, the is, album is uh, called uh, "Energy Overload." Overload, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and now we're doing another video for a song called Flower Child, which is a song I gave him just the drum track. And he used the dynamics of the drum track to write a whole new song, you know, wow. to write a whole new song. 
and it's called Flower Child. And we're doing it. We, we already cut all the instrumental stuff with for the video, but we found this young girl that does stuff on the internet on YouTube. And she did something that she looked like a flower child. So we contacted her and she's going to cut some new stuff for our video. We're going to have it out and ready to go for the release of the album on the 24th. Awesome. That's really and cool. That's really cool. So, and, and the other thing is a famous singer. I know a female singer that we did on our show, hanging and banging. I sent her a uh, flower child. She wanted to hear something I'm doing now because she wants me to play on her record to see if I could still play. And I sent her that. She loved it so much. She goes, this is an instrumental. I said, yeah. She said, I love this. I want to write lyrics and melody to it. Is that okay? I said, yeah. And she still sells records over in Europe. You know, I won't say who yeah. it is just in case it don't happen. I don't want to be. It's Adele. Like an idiot, you know, <laughs> it's Dua Lipa. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it isn't her. Carmine, real quick, talk about drums for a second, because you've played drum kits for the last six decades. Yeah. And, and thinking about drum, the the evolution of the sound of drums through the years. I mean, you went from the organic sounding drum kits to the Lindrums and the Fairlights of the 80s, and now everybody's using the same drum samples on their Pro Tools. Do you think the uh, the quality of drumming has significantly declined over the years? Well, the quality of drum sound has. Yeah, the quality of drum sounds. Yeah, because now every, it all sounds the same. You know? Right. Yeah. It all sounds the same. It's like, uh, you know, if, if we we sometimes use a drum sample on a bass drum or something, we mix it in with my bass drum sound so you can't tell. Mm -hmm. You know, it still sounds like my big fat bass drum sound. You know, I mean, I still record like I recorded all the time with room mics and, and make it sound really natural. Organic kind of sound. Uh, but, but drums, like I'm using these 1970 Ludwig bass drums that I used in Cactus and a, a 2004 Slingle and Snare drum and, and D drum Tom Tom. It really depends on the heads and how you tune and what, what the drum is made of. It's a, a, a thin shell or a thick shell. Thin yeah. shells sound better, you know. Right. But a lot of these drummers today, they don't play with uh, the kind of soul that we play with. It's all from the head. True. Everything's the same. They got an amazing bass drum technique. I got to say, unbelievable, unbelievable, you know, double bass drum technique. But they play that every night exactly the same. That, to me, you know, that makes it really boring if I had to play the same thing every night. Yeah. Playing a gig, you know. Out of all the records that you've played on, and I mean, you've worked with some incredible engineers like Andy Johns and all these guys. Out of all the records you've ever played on, what's your favorite drum sound that you've had? I got a few. The Blue Murder drum sound. Yeah, great album. Bob Rock and Mike Frazier. Yep. The uh, BBA drum sound was, was awesome. Uh, what's the other one I played on that I really liked? I just had it in my head. I went away. But, uh, oh, oh, uh, Andy Johns with the Rod Stewart band, like Hot Legs. Yeah. There's a song called You're Insane on the on Blondes Have More Fun album. No, it's on the first album, Foot Lizards. Amazing drum sound. Yeah. And the drum sound of Michael Tazer's record. Awesome drum sound. Those drums on Hot Legs, man. Talk about a locomotive. They're just so yeah. good. People thought I wrote the song from the, because I played that drum sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I told Rod, you should give me part of that song, man. The drums are the whole, I mean, the drums and the vocal, that, that's the, the that's whole song. The song you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they made up for it when I wrote Do You Think I'm Sexy with it. Well, there you go. <laughs> by, by the way, the uh, the band Buck Cherry has covered Hot Legs, and they they just they crank it with that that sort of metal style. It's, it's, well, dude, it's, oh, listen, yeah. Hot Legs, man. There's certain songs yeah. that's like when I'm DJing my parties, and all the all the Mohawk moms get on the dance floor. Hot Legs, you think I'm sexy? Like they're just yeah. dance floor fillers still to this day. Yeah. Yep, yeah. you love them. Hey, I, I want to ask you a question now. Uh, the the album Camouflage. Now I know you didn't play on it. It was Tony Brock from the Babies who who played on it. Yeah. It is one of my favorite Rod Stewart albums because it came out at that time in high school when I was buying records and, you know, um, you had left the band by then, but I hear fans always say it's his worst record, it's a horrible record, it's it's, it's his version of The Elder. Have yeah. you heard it? Do you like it? Do, do you think, no, I mean, are I the fans like, right I or am I right? <laughs> I think I think you're, I you're, like it. you're not right. No? I think the best, the best band that he had was the band that I was in the hot legs and all that, but that band was of course, amazing. but some guys you know, have all the Tony luck. Brock was an okay drummer, you know, he he played that English style, you know, and uh, you know, as Rod wrote in my book intro, he said, I fired Carmine, fuck knows why, but well, we that... we were great together, you know, because yeah, you know, he used my drum solo to go change himself and get freshened up and come back. And he's looking like a brand new guy, you know, and that that was the whole idea. And, you know, I used to do a lot of press because he didn't like to do no local press, you know, and we got along great. You know, one time we got in a limo and Rod was kidding. It was just me and him. He said, oh, it's a drag being a legend. And I said, yeah, I know what you mean. He slapped me five years. You're the only one in the band that could say that. I yeah. said, that's right. That's why we're together, brother. You know? <laughs> Well, I'm gonna go blast hot legs, and Mitch is gonna go blast twisting the night away, and uh, we're having a party. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna go blast some guys. Have all the luck and infatuation. I love that album. I mean, uh, infatuation if... is Dwayne Hitchings wrote that song. Of course, yeah. And Dwayne, I brought Dwayne into the picture. You know, so mm. that was written with the same lick that we did on on a song called uh, "Party Tested" by Derringer and a Piece in seventy eighty three. Okay, if you if you look up "Party Tested" on on YouTube by Derringer and the Peace, and you look at uh, look up "Camouflage" and you play them side by side, you'll hear the same groove and the same keyboard wow. part because Dwayne wrote it, and he wrote it he, he wrote did. on both tracks. He did, and yeah. and we've got to check out those Van Halen comparisons too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about me, and Dwayne, me and Dwayne are also on the the uh, Rod Stewart Jeff Beck. People get ready. Damn, we're on that as well, and that started in my house when Jeff was staying with me. Learning a lot of stuff this afternoon. I'm loving this. Yeah. You got to read my book, dude. You got to read the book. He's yeah, I got the... it. And and yeah. the great thing is is of course Carmen was on a lot of these records, but he was also he also ghosted on a bunch of records. So there's a lot of great stories in that closet. We just got to open that closet and get all the stuff out. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of closet there. When, when, I'll ask you this: When you do a ghost thing and they and you sign the NDA and stuff like, at some point, like fifty years later, can you say what you played on, or is that you have to take it to the grave? Well, I mean, I didn't really ghost on anything. I like this thing with Jeff and Rod. We right. just went and did it because Jeff was staying with me for two weeks, and he was getting. Uh, he just lost his girlfriend. And he came to LA, and we partied, went to the Rainbow every night, and then he said, "Could we do some music?" And I said, "Yeah, let's go to Dwayne's house." and Dwayne had a studio, so we started screwing around with that. And that lick, do 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 do, that was 
That was Dwayne's lick. That wasn't mm. Jeff's lick. Dwayne came up with that lick. And we played, Jeff played it, and we put the track together. And then I said, it sounds like people get ready, because I used to sing with the fudge, and I started singing it. And he goes, yeah. And we all said, wow, it is. So Jeff said, why don't we try and get Rod on it? So me and Dwayne, from working with Rod, we called, we called Rod up, and we told him about it. And I had originally gotten Jeff and Rod back together. We were in Australia in a hotel together. And they were enemies. And I, I said, come on, guys, you adults here. Let's get together, you know. Yeah. So Jeff came to the gig and he made up. So from that, you know, they were friends again. And, and so we called up Rod and we played him the track. A week later, we're in the studio. You know, I had Jeff and Rod in the studio. I was like the producer. I had the earphones on. Rod, you sing here. Jeff, you play there. And then the manager of Jeff's called and said, what do you want? I said, look, I don't want anything. I never got paid a dime. I don't want anything, but I want the production credit, you know, whether it's yeah. four of us produced it or me and Jeff or me, Jeff and Dwayne or whatever. It comes out, it says, thanks to the boys. And that was my credit. What? Yeah. <laughs> what a rip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could tell other stories, you know, but it's all in the book. You, you got to read the book, Jeremy. I got to get the yeah. book. Yeah, absolutely. You read the book, didn't you? Yeah. 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 We did an interview about the book. Uh, exactly. Yeah. While back. Mitch, I'll come over and I'll borrow it. There you go. I'll give it to you. Yeah. That's Are you guys awesome. living around the same area? We do. Yeah, he's like twenty minutes from me. Yeah. And uh Jeremy's got his uh radio show that he's gotta get to, but uh yeah. here we go. Where's your song? radio show? What station? Uh it's it's called the Beat ninety two five in Montreal. Oh nice. You'll, yeah, you'll like this, so. Carmine. They have won twenty five straight ratings books. He is our number one on air personality in Montreal. Beautiful. And yeah. you also I, do I, Toronto I, I, now. Dude, yeah. you got you got to play. Uh, you keep me hanging on. I mean, uh, stop in the name of love. Yeah, I'm gonna try and squeeze it in between Dua Lipa and Post Malone. Well, you can squeeze is it, it in on the Toronto and, and, station. And you can use you could use some of the uh, Peace Perdomo songs as bumpers. You know, if you're talking, you can play right. them in the background. Use them as beds, as instrumentals. Why not? Yeah, you could you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vanilla Fudge, your new cover of uh, Stop in the Name of Love is available now wherever music is available. And make sure you catch them on the road. They're going to be hitting the Arcata Theater in St. Charles, Illinois on September 30th. And no, nope, dates they canceled. And... Oh, they canceled that one. Yeah, they're moving it because of COVID. Because well, there of the you other, go. The other theater, they couldn't, they couldn't get it, so they're moving it. I'm looking, I think the closest gig to us, Mitch, would be in Sugarloaf. So maybe if the border's open by then, we'll go catch that show. Yeah, come down. Come Absolutely. Down. I'd love Let to catch that Let me know. We'll show. put you on the list. Yeah. Absolutely. would love and, to. And by the way, only, I'm, only if you use bumpers by the app <laughs> and only if you play the song. Then we'll yeah, put yeah. you on the list. I, I'll, uh, I'll definitely, I'll send you the air check of that. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I, I became buddies with Pete Vigiani from uh, We Are Kodiak online. He's a drummer and like uh, yeah, we've been connecting. I so yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that record. You got any, uh, yeah, any scoop I, on when that's look, coming out? I, I tried to manage him and I got him a couple of deals and they got their lawyer involved and the lawyer yeah. blew the deals. God. And, and now they're like waiting for the lawyer to get him a deal. It's been like five, six weeks, you know, and I told Kids. him, look, dude, you got to start somewhere. You can't have a lawyer going after stuff. Uh, you know, you don't have a following. So he can't be asking for this, that, and the other thing because you don't have a following. Yeah. Let's start it somewhere. Get it going. You know, yeah. I've been working with them for two years and we finally got it to the point where, you know, they were going to re release the record. We had a, a Christmas single ready to go. We had all kinds of stuff. And I'm sorry. You know, I think lawyers blew deal, blows, they, they blow a lot of deals, lawyers. Lawyers are arsonists disguised as firemen. 
Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You there know? you go. Anyways, all right, Carmine, it was so great to meet you. I'll let you go. Always, okay, always a pleasure. Anytime you've got a project, just uh, reach yeah. out. We are more than happy to to support. And, you got it. And of course. And by the time we chat next time, I'll have read your book, and I'm sure I'm going to have a ton of follow up questions. Okay. Still, yes. Well, we'll do that when the Guitar Zeus box set comes out in November. Oh, Perfect. that sounds great. And okay. of course, uh, Energy right. Overload by uh, the uh, uh, A Peace Perdomo Project, uh, September yeah. 24th, uh, 2020. And for sure, just app. App. App, yeah. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> Download, <app>. the <laughs> Download the app. Download the Energy Overload Download the app. That's actually a good way to promote that, you know? Yeah, there you go. Thank Copyright. You. I, like I want that. a producer I'm gonna, credit. I'm going I'm <laughs> to tell Cleopatra that. Yeah. Download yeah. your app now. Jeremy yep. gets a producer credit on that, yeah. or the lawyers are going to start. Right? I don't even want to. I know thanks to the boys. I want. I want that producer credit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you, right, Carmine. I'll, I'll let you go. See you guys later. Bye bye. Bye bye.